Welcome everyone to another podcast from Hernayu. Uh, I'm Flavio Moshea, and I today I have the pleasure to have with me Dr. Shireen Tofai um, from Los Angeles. She is uh, responsible for Beverly Hills Hernia Center and affiliate with UCLA. Um, you probably know her, but once she's a leader on this field, and it's a pleasure to have you here on on our Hernio podcast, why we do what we do. Thank you, Flavio. Must share. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, Shireen, tell me, I'm I'm always amazed to see how you present and talk about the patient side of the healthcare that we provide in hernia and abdominal wall. You are a very strong patient advocate. Uh, could you tell us a little bit how did it all started and how do you see yourself doing that? Thank you, Flavio. Um, yeah, so I'm currently in private practice, but I didn't start that way. As most people, when you finish residency, your aim is to go into an academic job. And that's how I started, four-year university, tenure track, academic track, and a lot of surgical education. And that was my kind of niche within surgery was surgical education, a lot of undergraduate medical student, uh, even engineering student, and then also residency and fellowship training. Um, I had multiple leadership positions within surgical education. But as I got older, I started transitioning over to more independence in my practice. Uh, eventually, I've come to my current situation, so 10 years now in private practice. And I lost that connection that I had so intimately in a university-type situation with residents, medical students, and fellows. I still teach. I'm still part of the Cedars-Sinai teaching faculty. We have an MIS bariatric fellowship. I teach the residents. We have medical students from UCLA. Um, I have rotators with me for undergraduates that, that uh, I mentor. But it's just different. I was no longer the program chair. I was no longer the program committee person. And so because of that, I felt that... Um, I, I transitioned from teaching surgeons or surgeons in training to teaching patients. I felt that I still needed the, my surgical education bug to be out there. And I started teaching patients. Plus, as you know, hernia is one of those specialties where a lot of people take it for granted. But there's also a very large and growing fraction of patients that are going online and trying to educate themselves because they hear about hernia and maybe hernia problems. They try and educate. So there's a very growing population of self-educating patients for hernias. So I found that maybe that's where I need to be. Maybe that's where uh, I should be focusing. So I started a website called herniatalk.com. It's a patient discussion forum. I now have a podcast format for the same. You were my guest on <laughs> Hernia Talk Live. Um, and a lot of what I do in the surgical meetings is help provide that patient, um, what's the best word for it? Like their perspective. Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy to say, this is what you need or this is uh, what I think is best. But... The reality is every option for surgery has risks and benefits. And at some point, that's where the shared decision-making comes into play. We have to consider the patient's wants, not just the surgeon's recommendation. That's really awesome. Um, 
when I changed my practice from Brazil to U.S., something that it was one of the points that was different was the respect for patient autonomy. Mm. Uh, we do that in Brazil, but it's much more intense in U.S. Patient autonomy okay. and um, and I think that even with that, sometimes at least most in the honey business that we do a lot of mash, mm-hmm. um, we hear more and more patients afraid of mash. Mm-hmm. So my practice is 95% hernia. Every week, at least half of my patients, they when I mention that we're going to a mash repair, they ask about it. Oh, how about problems with the mash? Yeah. With a good conversation, we can explain. And so, But it's a real thing happening in the United States. And I think that is a lot about misinformation. So that's why I believe that your work on this is so important. So what has been your experience specific with this mesh problems with patients and uh, how we get out of this malignant loop that we are in? Uh, The word mesh is just terrifying for patients. Yeah, I think so. The loudest voice out there are the lawyers. And we actually published a paper looking at how social media shapes the way people think about hernias and how they, that may affect our surgical practice. And of the five top um, promoters of discussion about mesh, almost all of it, which is negative, four of them are these trial lawyers. So, and the, you know, the malpractice, uh, not malpractice, the, um, the uh, tort lawyers. So, we need to have a voice that balances out this discussion. The patients that come see you and come see me, they're like, I don't want mesh migration. Mesh doesn't migrate. I mean, the plug has been shown to migrate, but no other mesh migrates. They, you know, people literally think that if I put it in the belly, it may show up uh, in their lungs somewhere. That's just a lot of anxiety. And the fear and anxiety that is placed on the public because of mesh far outweighs reality, but it's, it's a business issue for the lawyers. They make a lot of money from these class action lawsuits and the patients actually do not benefit financially, at least, um, from this. And there have been studies, actually, the New York Times article is showing that if anything, the patients are being preyed upon to promote mesh removal, um, to increase their value in a class action lawsuit. So that's what we're dealing with in the lay population. And as surgeons, we need a voice of reason that is not, that's considered someone that they can trust to talk about it. I'll give you an example. I was uh, at Manchester last year for the European Hernia Society meeting. So Europe is different than the US. I had to give, I gave one of their keynote speak, speeches about lawsuits and mesh and all that. Most other countries outside U.S., maybe a little Canada, maybe a little of the U.K., maybe a little bit of Australia, most non-English speaking countries are not dealing with mesh lawsuits and mesh problems. Um, at the same time, there are patients that need help. So when I went there, I actually met with some patient advocates that are very much trying to promote the NHS and other um, insurance kind of programs to help patients that have complications and so on. And part of the problem is there are surgeons that deny that we have any complications or any problems. That extreme is not good. There are certain surgeons that are preying on this population that are saying, yeah, all mesh is bad. 
we're going to take everything out of you. And then they work with these, some of them work with these law firms. That extreme is not good. You need something in the middle that's evidence-based, but is trusting of from the patient's point of view because they're losing trust. And I'm hoping to kind of use surgeons like you and others, bring them into the podcast or internet world and show them that these are our surgeons. These are people that are highly experienced. They know what they're doing and saying. They care for the patients. And I've seen over time by infusing this kind of academic approach, but towards patients, that the patients are moving away a little bit from the all doctors that, that are hernia surgeons are evil, that the lawyers want you to hear, and moving towards, no, surgeons are actually very thoughtful and very caring. Um, but they also need to hear the patient's perspective to do better. Yeah, I think that is, you just hit on the nail because who is losing with all this are the patients. Um, I think that it really impacts the best care that we can provide them. I, when the, this MASH conversation comes in play, I usually use the same example. I say, you look around, you see those outdoors. If you got in a car accident, please call us. Mm -hmm. The lawyer is asking for claims. And I say, but we still drive cars. Is it safe to drive a car? But we can have problems. Same with MASH. It's safe. We can have MASH problems. Yes. But extremes are terrible because we can attack the patients as, okay, this is completely wrong. There's no problems. There are pro- we need to recognize there are problems. Right. They are minimal, but they are, for that person that got a mesh infection or erosion or whatever, is their life. So that really is 100% to them. They don't, they don't care if 99 or patient did not have anything. For them, is 100%. And what surprised me as well, and you touched a little bit on this as well, is they are exploiting because I see now surgeons websites say, Oh, I do non-mesh repair. Mm-hmm. And they use that to get those Marking. patients. They, yeah, they work on the patient's fear to promote their business. And that kind of, wow, this surprise me comes from our community, our yeah. magical community. So, um, you want to talk a little bit more about your, uh, podcast and how it helps patients because I think it's interesting for us as surgeons to participate and listen and, but as well to educate our patients that is this opportunity to understand a little bit more about their side of the business. Yeah, sure. So when I, uh, uh, I used to work for Cedar Sinai Hospital as faculty and there would be patients that would reach out to my office crying and stories. And my office, my uh, secretary at the time was like, can you please help this person? And then she'd show up with like this folder, you know, 20 pounds of, of medical records and I'd review it. And then I'd say, um, yes, you, I can help you or no, I can't help you. You have a orthopedic problem or something like that. So, when I went into private practice, I was like, oh, there's a population out there that that needs help. And not everyone can travel to see you. So, and they would ask the same question. They would email me. Everyone had the same question. So I'm like, well, if everyone has the same question, let's make this more efficient, right? Let's make a website, just a public, free discussion forum. I invite any surgeon to go on and, and help me answer their questions. And most of it is patients talking amongst them. They love it. It's a very, very robust discussion forum. We have tens of thousands of 
of people that have uh, subscribed to it. And daily, kind of like our surgical kind of Facebook group, it's a patient-based daily questions, answers, people helping each other, uh, and so on. It's called hernietalk.com. I started in 2013. And 10 years. Yeah. Fast, this huh? year's going to be 10 years. Yeah. So it's been very positive. And every so often there's like a glitch, you know, your internet website breaks down and, uh, you know, it takes a couple hours to bring it back up. And the patients email me, oh, uh, <laughs> what happened? Uh, we need this forum. So the, the need is very much there. There's really, for, for now, nothing out there similar to it for the patients. And um, I, I, I enjoy it. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons why I do a lot of my talks in the surgical community is I read all of these entries from patients. And in my, at least on my platform, I don't allow anyone to provide misinformation. They can't come on and, and badmouth doctors or say, you know, no conspiracy theories, right? So I quash all those. Um, and as a result, I learn a lot. There are patients out there that are posting uh, on my, on my forum, posting articles, posting Sage's videos. We're, we're, we're at Sage's today. Yeah. Any of the background noisy here? It's because we're <laughs> at a Sage's meeting, but they're, they're posting articles I had not read yet. And they're discussing it amongst wow. themselves. It's so interesting to me. Um, and I feel like I don't, a lot of uh, surgeons don't necessarily see that. So I hope to gain knowledge from the patients and what their fears are and what they're discussing and bringing it to the surgeons and saying, okay, this is what we need to address. And hopefully I can be the intermediary in some way. You do have non-U.S. patients on that website or is exclusively U.S.? No, it's international. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, for sure. Yeah, because Hernayu is an international community. So I just want to spread the word and that can be a helpful tool to other patients of other physicians across the globe. So just need to be in English, obviously. But Yeah, so I would encourage surgeons to go on HerniaTalk.com. We encourage surgeons to help answer questions or chime in. Um, and if you're interested to help patients, I mean, for example, I had a patient needed help in India. So I called my Indian friends. They're very nice. Here, here's my email. Here's my office phone number. It's on now HerniaTalk.com website. So... If anyone wants to know who can help me in India, because I would say 99% of the surgeons in India cannot help someone with a revisional hernia, chronic pain issue, but there is that 1% who we know. So I said 1% because like a ha- one and a half billion people in, in <laughs> a India. Lot of people. It's a lot of people. <laughs> but, but it's there and it's available for them. They need someone in Italy, you know, their name's there. There's Korea, right? There's names there. So it's it's very uh, interesting, the international aspect of it. Awesome. So thank you so much. It was thank an you. absolute pleasure to spend these 15 minutes with you. And hopefully we can help more and more patients. I hope so. And I hope for another 10 years on Honey Talk. Let's do it. Thank you. Thank you.